Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be joined by Emma McDonald to talk about her AMC Plus series, Moonhaven. And, and the first thing that I was actually really interested in is, you know, this is this is the first time that you've done a lead role in an episodic series like this. Um, and obviously you come from such an extensive theater background and, and that's really where you've worked the majority of your career alongside other roles on screen. And so I was really interested in, in how that adjusted some of your character development process going into this because you didn't have all of the scripts at once you were very much getting those details as it came and and getting little inklings from Peter Ocko the writer but not getting the full arc of where your character was going mm. no it was it was very very interesting um like you say I've got a large theater background mainly in Shakespeare as well in classical pieces um which I feel prepared me in some ways for doing a very long job um you know stamina and things like that uh, and getting my way around words quite quickly, which you have to be when you're doing something episodic. So I'd go home in the evenings and I think I've trained my brain to be able to learn vast sections of text in not much time. Um, but no, it was, it, it was definitely an, a learning curve for me, not knowing um, where I was going and also having to, I suppose, be a lot, a lot more free with what I was doing, to trust my instincts, to trust myself, um, and I was the biggest challenge for me as well, I think, was letting go of each day when it's gone. Because normally in theater, I'd be able to go home, I'd think on something, I'd sleep, and then I'd wake up the next day and be like, that's, I'm gonna try and play that tonight and see what the response I get. And especially with touring as well, when you're doing something in so many different places um, as well. So that was a big challenge for me, letting go of each day and learning to trust myself and my instincts. I really love that and, and especially with what you're saying about having to work from a very instinctive place with this character because of that did it did it also really help with the fact that your character is experiencing so many things for the first time you know and and a lot of these relationships are not people that she has a history with either so even coming into character dynamics it's it's building that from from the first meeting upwards as well and so how did that really help with your process as well massively yeah you really hit something there it, it's Bella is an outsider, just like the audience. She's never actually stepped foot on the Glade before, on Moonhaven. Um, so a lot of the time you're experiencing these very strange and wonderful practices for the first time as an audience alongside her. Um, so I didn't have to feel like the, the Glade, um, Moonhaven was a lived in experience for me. Um, so that was fun. And it meant that I could just kind of go off instinct as well with kind of like the judgment of, of what, what are these people? What are they doing? Um, so that's, that was fun and um, bringing a lightness of touch with it as well. Um, that really serves that. And because she is really walking into the space, like you said, she's, she's coming into Moonhaven for the first time as a character um, and seeing so many things for the first time. How did you find what you wanted that, that observational nature and that real inquisitiveness to, to be to her? Because it's even just things like paying a lot of attention to the language that people are using because they use different words. And so she has to key into speech in a different way in conversations and, and also just trying to really observe all the details whilst not giving away too much of herself at the same time. That worked really well for me because I think I'm quite curious as a person anyway. Um, and I'm growing, uh, growing up and living in London, I think sometimes you get so caught up in the rush of life. But I've spent the last few years really trying to sit with things and reflect and really open my eyes and my senses to my environment. 
Um, and I think that really served for this in treating each beat as it comes. And because, you, you know, I, I wasn't able to do sort of months of prep or, or long rehearsal periods, um, really allowing each beat to land and just to play. So I would do my prep in, you know, the, the night before or whatever, I would do my meditation practice each day outside under the stars because I like it, it's nice. <laughs> it helps me connect and ground myself. But then once I was on set, I would try and sort of let everything go just connect with the person, the environment, what was being said, listen, and really look and appreciate. Um, because we were in a beautiful place as well. I mean, Ireland is stunning. The woodlands, the locks, um, all of the intricate sets that Philip Murphy, and this, our designer, created. I mean, they were stunning. And uh, yeah, so I did have to bring in some skepticism and cynicism because Emma's sort of wide-eyed wonder wouldn't really serve Bella all of the time. But yeah, it was nice finding that balance and enjoying it. And as, as much as she's watching everyone around her and, and picking up on details, she's also stepping into an environment where she knows everybody's doing that to her. Every single person is reading her for information, trying to figure out, you know, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of discussion and balance of, of how much does she trust other people? How much do other people trust her? And so how did you find what are the walls that she has up around her? And then what is it that starts to break that down in people, you know, particularly with like Dominic Moynihan's character, that's a really great example of someone that we see from the very beginning where there is that cynicism that you were mentioning. And then that guard comes down very gently with her, but it's not, it's not a quick and an easy thing for her. Mm. I mean, she's a war veteran. Um, she served some traumatic time. Um, you know, we find out later that she's been taken hostage. She's been tortured. Uh, so she's had to develop a very, very thick skin. Uh, and most of the time she spends is on her own. Uh, and a lot of that time is in space. I think that's where she feels most at home. Um, so she's not the best with people. I think she gets them and she tries to work them in a way that will suit her. Uh, and she doesn't obviously want to let too many people close, too many people in, because she has a history of either something bad happening to them or to her when that does happen. Um, so she does have some trust issues, for sure. And yeah, it's it, they have a very interesting dynamic, her and both Paul's, Paul, Dominic Monaghan's character, and Kadeem Hardison, Arlo. Um, they are complete opposites, not just in Eartha and Muna, but in their moral compass, um, their, you know, you've got an optimist versus a cynicist or like a realist. Um, so it's really funny watching the dynamic between them. Um, and it starts with obviously a lot of judgment from my side. Um, but yeah, they, they learn so much from each other as the series goes on. And they're really funny as well to watch interact with one another. I mean, there's a beautiful interrogation scene in the first episode and you kind of just see them clashing spectacularly and it's yeah it's it's kind of a joy to behold really and it was so much fun to do as well um they're comic geniuses but they're also beautifully wise and yeah a lot of the stuff that peter has written the stuff the stuff the words <laughs> the quotes the poetry peter has written um yeah it's it's a gift to watch it play out on screen 
and with what you were saying just there as well about the the dynamic that she has with with Paul and the way that they both get the opportunity to learn from each other you know he learns to have a little bit of that cynicism because it can serve you well to a certain degree in life and then you know she kind of learns to soften up a little bit in certain ways and to allow herself to be a little bit more open and so as you went episode by episode developing that that relationship dynamic together as they become closer throughout the series how did you how did you kind of always look to his character and think about what are those traits that she would start to adopt in a little bit more and and how is this going to open up up her up in a different way based on his traits yeah it's I think it's worth mentioning as well that obviously you're filming it completely out of sequence but we are doing them in block so we did episodes one and two together and we had those scripts and then we did episode three and four so by the time we're doing three and four and then five and six I've spent a lot of time with with Bella my character and Paul Dom's character but I've also spent a lot of time with Dom and with Kadeem so you're developing those friendships as well you know we'd go to the gym every every weekend together um we'd chat Kadeem said he was my big brother you know Amara I'd giggle a lot with so you're developing those human connections as well as acting so that becomes I think your choices can become a lot freer um you can be a lot more playful and spirited um Obviously, sometimes those won't make a cut, but when they do, it's quite fun. Uh, but yeah, I think Bella initially is forced to spend time in Moonhaven against her will. But as time goes on, she obviously has a personal connection there as well to the murder that we find out that takes place right at the start of episode one. And, and she also starts to buy into Moonhaven and their strange cultural practices a lot more in that they may be the only hope of saving humanity and there is although a lot of sort of gobbledygook in what they're saying a lot of truth and value and and love in it as well and, and as much as it is that she's she's buying into kind of certain aspects of it like you were just saying it, it's also interesting because she has a very different pace when she comes into the show against the rest of the characters. Everything on Moonhaven is is kind of very, very calm, very glacial. Even the way that they talk is a, a slower pace than the way that you're delivering your dialogue. And so how did you want to kind of finesse the pacing of your character as well to kind of be in line with, you know, her not coming fully over to the space of Moonhaven, but finding that space in the middle for her as a character? Mm. Yeah, she never fully leaves her earth, her roots, her cynicism, and her sort of dry wit behind. Uh, and she continues to use her fists throughout the season. Uh, she gets some wonderful action pieces. She also keeps her jacket on, which I think is interesting. You know, they force her into their lovely linen, colorful clothes, but she keeps a bit of that with her all the time and her jacket. Um, so she buys into some of it and she, you're right, she does slow down and she does start take, to take more pauses, which I think is was really nice to do as well and have those moments. Um, but at the same time, she's, yeah, she's still sharp. She still does not trust everyone. Um, and she's still ready to, to do what it takes a, at a cost if needs be. And you were touching there upon her, her sense of humor and her wit, which is one of the really fun parts of her as a character is that that is always very present in her as well. And, and, you know, even sometimes it's the way that she likes to play with people a little bit, you know, and she kind of enjoys that little cat and mouse game or even just something that amuses her by herself when she's with herself. Um, and I've heard you say that that was one of the things that you were really drawn into with this character in particular. Was that something where you really felt like you found her comedic sensibility when you were working with the scripts or was it 
bit more that it really manifested once you were in production and once you were living and breathing in her as a character in scenes? Yeah, I, I think it's something I developed uh, with Bridget and Crudy, who were our directors on the first block, and also speaking with Peter. Um, and I think because she is the audience in many ways, you know, she's a vessel to which they experience Moonhaven. Um, it's nice that she doesn't take everything so seriously because on the moon they do, because it is all they have known. It, they are the, a, like a bubble, this utopian colony. Um, and they've been just with themselves for three generations. Everything they do is in earnest. Um, so coming into that, it's like, what are these people doing? So it's kind of fun to have that lightness um, and great to find those moments because with her military background as well, she, she does keep her emotions buried quite deep, uh, which is something I struggle with because I'm someone that likes to have a week at least once a week, okay? I'm like a big sensitive softie. Um, and there's a scene in the first episode with the beautiful Martha Malone who plays Elna. And we had to film that like 10 times because I just kept crying. <laughs> and it wasn't just me, I'm I mean, the directors, Peter, I think had some tears as well. He was on set every day, which was amazing to pick his brains. Um, a lot of the ADs were also crying. Um, but yes, yeah, so to sort of tap into her vulnerability at points um, and points when no one else is really present to see them and find those moments. Um, and those, I suppose, get, there's more of them as the series goes on. Um, but also, yeah, to find that humor and that balance and that lightness of touch was a gift because a lot of the time she is quite hard and focused. And, and with tapping into those moments of vulnerability, like you were saying, was it, was it to do with people that she was talking to, people that she was around, things that were happening to her or, or maybe kind of things from her past that, that would influence the way that she emotionally responds to things or a whole myriad of, of different reasons why you would find those little moments to quietly tap into that side of her? I think it was probably an amalgamation of all three. Um, so yes, definitely with her familiar, with her, with, with her family, her connections with her mother. I think a lot of them come out of the blue, they surprise her. She's not expecting to react in the way that she does. With her sister, I think there's a real softness there and there's a regret as well that she wasn't there, um, even though she couldn't have known, but there's definitely a regret and a sort of open trauma there um, and, her, and with her mother. So the people that are close to her. Uh, and then she develops friendships uh, and relationships in strange places where I don't think she saw them coming at all. Um, and yeah, so it's fun to watch those open over the series. And as she becomes more sort of entrenched in Muna culture, I think that, yeah, like I say, they become a little bit more regular. The relationship with her mother that you were just bringing up is is such an interesting facet of her core because in essence she feels like she was abandoned and that her mother left her and so she emotionally has said that she's done the same thing but obviously you can never 100% do that there's still ramifications for it mm -hmm. um, and so did you find that for her as a character you wanted to have that come to the surface more and more episode by episode as she starts to confront more of what that really has meant to her and also as she's in a space that her mother was living all this time and getting to see the world that she was existing in even though they were never a part of it together i mean bella would never admit to that no um there was a beautiful moment in the council scene at the start of episode, uh, sort of mid of episode two 
And Paul's essentially saying, you got mommy issues. I'm like, mm, don't say that. Please don't say that. Um, yeah, so she wouldn't ever admit to it. But um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you were also mentioning before, Peter, the, the writer creator being on set all of the time, which is really amazing. And, you know, even going back to what we were talking about at the very beginning with, with kind of not having all the details at the beginning, I've heard you say that he would sometimes kind of like whisper, whisper little details to you that would, that would give you a little bit of an inkling of an arc or a moment or a character detail. What, what were some of those details that he would kind of feed you as you were filming that were really helpful? And, and if you came back with more questions, would he want you to have that information or would he want to kind of hold certain things on until it was necessary for a scene he, he was he is the best human being he's just such a gorgeous man um and he's so generous with his time uh, as well and it was such a joy to just have him on set all day every day and i'd really miss him if he was occasionally not there having to you know run the entire production um but yeah, he would whisper little things. He, one of the things that he said early on was that she's an old soul, an old soul in a young body. And I think that really helped just in the sense that she'd lived so many lives and she'd had to have been so many people um, to survive um, in the earth that is now sort of 150 years in the future and is a dying planet, um, you know, with deforestation and toxicity and wars and bloodshed and everything that's happened. But his main goal and dream for the series and it's echoed throughout it is that the future could be better you know if us human beings sort of figure things out and have the space and time to you know build not only the technology but the culture that works with the planet and with nature the future really could be better and that sort of drummed throughout the series which I really like because ultimately it's a very hopeful picture of what could be which I think we really need at this time <laughs> absolutely and, and with the details of of what earth is within the series we're not seeing her on earth we're seeing her in moonhaven so we're just getting those details through things that people on moonhaven say or things that that she kind of reveals about what it's like back there did you did you find that when you had those first scripts that that gave you enough detail to kind of really concoct that world back home for her? Or was that something that you and Peter talked about and discussed some of the details a little bit? Because obviously there's so many aspects of, of where Earth is at in the story of the show that really create the core of this character in so many ways. I think just switching on the news and taking a look outside gives you a good picture of what the Earth is like now and could be in 150 years. With, with how we are at the moment. Um, but yes, we did, we did talk about it and me and Joe as well talked about it and what those wars would have been um, in terms of, you know, the lack of resources, lack of gas, I mean, missing at the moment, food shortages um, and what that drives people to do. Um, and then you see the complete opposite play out in this lush green space that is Moonhaven. Um, and, and like you say, you get a, a window into it from talks between myself and Amara, who plays Indira, um, between Dom and Kadeem, what is, and I think that gives you enough of a window in how we play it uh, as to what, what is going on. And then you see snippets of it, you know, people in gas masks. But also the color palette, I think, does that as well. You've got multi-colors and flora and fauna and water, and just abundance on the moon. And then you've sort of got this gray, washed out metal composite um, 
earth. Uh, so yeah, I think that kind of does it for you as well. And in a different space with, with Bella, what you were mentioning earlier about her happy space and the place that she's most comfortable is essentially halfway between these spaces, which mm. ultimately in turn is the spaceship. And, and we, you know, you've really captured that, that passion and that connectivity that she feels when she's in that driving seat. Um, and I love the detailing of the way that she steers the ship, that it's these metal rings and it's, it's very different to the way that we traditionally see those things. And, and I know that you were given a, a set of rings to kind of take home and, and practice and play around with and so how did you how did you set about figuring out what that motion and what that movement was ultimately going to be with those I was living in Ireland on the edge of a cliff with the sea by my side with the stars I live in London so I don't see stars very often my neighbors were goats and chickens to the extent that I had to usher a chicken out of my house on the first day it was this converted stable it was so rural um, but that really served me so I was sort of in my own little cocoon, my own little spaceship, as it were, on the edge of this cliff. Uh, and I had, I think what used to be the stable doors and it was like this little alcove, um, which had like a bench on it and a bed. And I would sit there with my rings that I brought home and I would, and I would work out different moves to myself and different handholds. And then I would work on my G-force, which was kind of like, because obviously you're not moving anywhere. Uh, when you're filming it so I'd work on that and yeah have a little play by myself and film things see if they were any good watch them back saying, it's not, it's not. And, but then getting more and more confident with what the moves actually were you know if we were turning around we were accelerating um, so that was fun and watching what they've done with it with the music is just it's so beautiful um, I am um, the wonderful Ayelet who plays Mighty, the first time she watched that, she just wept. Because I think it's something, it's so filmic and cinematic and you see it play out so beautifully on people's faces that it's a really new way of showing, you know, person in this person flying around spaceship. Um, it's, it's not a traditional way of doing it. And it gives it so much time as well within, within the episode. And I think it's, yeah, it's just beautiful. It is, in, and in a different space in terms of the physical aspects of, of Bella, I wanted to talk as well about working with Vic Armstrong, who was who was heading up all of the stunts, because like you said, you know, she is someone that that learns to kind of let some of that cynicism go, but she still, still is using her fists throughout the entire season at different points for different reasons. And so how did, how did the two of you collaborate to really figure out, especially when you look at the fact that she is a war veteran back on earth and everything that she's been through in her lifetime, what that physical motion of her as a character would be? Yeah, it was cool. It's very cool. I got to be a bit of a badass. It was so much fun. Um, I'm still working on my pull-ups because I really want to try and develop my upper body strength further. But I started going to the gym, uh, well, initially four times a week and then once a week, once um, we got into shooting. But yes, we had a fantastic stunt team. We had Ray Nichols and Peter Miles were our stunt choreographer and coordinator. And we worked on those, the initial fights. There's quite a few, few through the series. Um, at one point I get to take down two people at the same time uh, and do some headbutts, which is awesome. Um, but yes, and then we had the incredible Vic Armstrong, like you say, directing the fights, uh, who's Harrison Ford's stunt double, um, the best stunt man that ever lived. And he just knew how to shoot these, these sequences 
so they just worked incredibly well um yeah it was a gift to work with him on set and with joe as well who's got a strong stunt background and it was the only time as well when we were shooting that i'd actually watch the monitor afterwards to see how how it read because it is so physical and because it is so precise as well in terms of how it has to be so that it looks like it really connects um but it was brilliant to work with my body you know she's someone that you have to fully body i think as a character so being able to do those set pieces and show her strength um but also just her survival instincts you know she knows what to do she's she's smaller than him so she grapples with everything she can to take him down she's clever and yeah it it was yeah it was a lot of fun a lot of fun I mean, I love hearing how much fun you've had in, in making this whole series. And I think all of the different details and facets that, that you've just talked about extensively really show all the complexities that you've managed to bring into this character. So thank you so much, Emma. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was such a joy. I can't wait to share it with the world and see what people make of it. Um, yeah, I think Peter Rocco and the rest of the cast and crew have just created a masterpiece. So let's see what the next chapter holds. <laughs>